This is FaithCast, weekly messages from Victory Faith in Spokane, Washington. To stay connected with Victory Faith, visit victoryfaith.org where you can submit prayer requests and praise reports, sign up to receive weekly email updates, give online, and much, much more. Consider joining us for our live stream online Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. at victoryfaith.org live. Now, on to the message. Can we give a hand for our worship team? Just how awesome. We're blessed. You know, our, um, our worship team is incredible, but do you know there's two worship teams here today? There's the worship team up here on the stage, and there's the worship team out there. And when that worship team, actually that worship team has more to do with God showing up than this worship team. Thank you, ma'am. I received that. Thank you, ma'am. And that's the facts, Jack. That's just the way it is. And I want to say something to those of you watching online. I want to encourage you and challenge you today. You know what? When we watch at home, sometimes it can be all about comfort. And I just want to challenge you that in worship, when we're worshiping, if you're going to watch from home, that you stand up that you lift your hands, that you engage because Christianity is not a spectator sport. And I say that to all of us here too. It's not a spectator sport. It is a participation sport. And so I just want to, I know at home, I mean, you, the, cat, the dog can be chasing the cat through the house. Here's your answer. Get rid of the cat. All right, you cat lovers can pray for me. All right. I do, I want to, uh, I'm sincere about that challenge to those of you that are at home because sometimes it can be all about I'm getting the most comfortable I can and um, it's so good for your kids if you're at home watching, so good for your kids to see you stand up in your home and lift your hands and worship the king. So love you, bless you. All right, are you ready? Um, I'm gonna finish a mini series that I've been doing. We've had a few others dispersed in between but I've done a series called Are You Thirsty? And it's about being a watered garden. And, and I'm going to finish that up today. And this message, whether you realize it or not, is been, it's a message about thriving in difficult times. Anybody can, anything to apply that to today? God, how do I thrive in difficult times? It's about being true disciples. We've talked about this year being the year of the disciple at Victory Faith. And actually, it's been being woven all through our years. What does it mean to really be a disciple? The word Christian is used three times in the Bible. The word disciple is used 270 times almost in the Bible. Gee, I wonder what that's saying. I wonder what God is wanting to say to us. And so he says things like, if you do this, you're a real disciple. You're a true disciple. And so, so part of this message and series has been about that. Part of this message is about bringing glory to God with our lives. That as we discover that we are, God owns us, we're a garden or a vineyard that he wants to grow something in, we find out that what we grow are attitudes. And do our attitudes reflect the kingdom of God? Do our choices and decisions reflect the kingdom of God? And so that's what this message has been about. So let's go to our theme verse for this series. 1 Corinthians 3, verses 6 and 9. The Apostle Paul says this, I planted the seed in your hearts, and we've been talking about that. The soil of our hearts is where God's wanting to grow this garden. I planted the seed in your heart, Apollos watered it, but it was God that made it grow. He said, we are co-workers with God and you are God's cultivated garden. 
You know, so God takes analogies at times. When he wants to show us how dependent we are on each other, he talks about us being a body. You know, he doesn't use things up in heaven and all this stuff we know nothing about. He uses analogies that we know very well. So I'm going to talk more about being a body. Um, but in this case, he's looking at you and me and he's, he's saying, okay, I, I, I want to talk to them about laboring together with me to grow something and build something. So I'm going to talk to them and say, listen, you guys, you're a garden. I mean, some of, well, okay, gee, thanks, Lord. No, you're a garden and you're a vineyard. And so he takes this analogy of being a garden so that he can talk to us about how do you grow a healthy garden? And so that's what we're doing in this series. And then we saw in Isaiah 58, verse 11 and 12, the Lord will guide you continually, giving you water when you are dry and restoring your strength. You will be like a well-watered garden. So put up that first picture. You're gonna see the four things that I've shown each time I've ministered this message. That is not a well-watered garden. But if we could see in the spirit, our heart and our soul, some of us look like that. We have not been getting watered. We have not done the things that we've been talking about in this series that causes us to be watered, that causes us to be a well-watered garden. And so some of us sitting here today, that's what we look like in our garden, in our soul, in our life. And things pop out from that, impatience, anger, bitterness. I'll tell you what, there are many earmarks to an unwatered garden. Hard, crusty. Now show what we want to be like. Show that next one. This is a well-watered garden. That's what God wants us. Life is better when you're a well-watered garden. You're happier when you're a well-watered garden. And out of a garden in my soul like that comes things like love. When, when are you kidding me? You're going to love that person when they said this? Yes, I am. How can you do that? Because I'm well-watered. Things in situations where all hell's breaking loose around me, fruit comes out that's peace. And people look and say, where did you get that from? I'm a well-watered garden. So that's what we've been looking at. And we find out that God is the owner of the garden. He says, you are whose garden? You're God's garden. So then last time I shared, I talked in John 15, verses 7 and 8 about being watered by the word. And this scripture came out. It says, but if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted when you produce much fruit, you are my, what? True disciples. true disciples. A true disciple of Jesus Christ is producing much fruit. And what again is that fruit? We're gonna find out more today, but it's love, it's joy, it's peace, it's patience, gentleness, meekness, kindness, all of the fruits of the Spirit, and it's the fruit of good works. We're gonna find out there's scriptures that say that there is fruit that is called good works. So uh, if we're gonna be a true disciple, we're gonna produce good fruit in our lives. So we went through and we saw that the first lesson was on we are watered by worship. When I get into God's presence and I worship him, I am getting watered in his presence. It's, it's amazing. It's beautiful. And then as I'm in his presence and I'm worshiping, then good things begin to grow in me. Fruit begins to come in me. The ground is softened and the soil is ready to grow the seed that God plants in me. Now, if I'm not spending time in worship, and if this is the only time you worship, you're not well watered. Look at your neighbor and say, He's, he might be talking to you, my friend. If this is the only time you worship during the week, you're not well watered. You're more like the first one. Oh, you're getting quiet on me now. 
It should be a true disciple to grow fruit is going to be worshiping all week long. A true disciple is going to be looking for places to worship in his day. Matter of fact, he or she will even put it on their schedule. I know some people that do that. Schedule in times of worship. We schedule other things in. All right, I'll keep going. The next one I said was watered by the word. That, that when we get into God's presence, remember the scripture I read to you said that, that his word is like rain coming down from heaven on the ground. It's like snow coming down from heaven on the ground. It softens the ground, it moistens the ground and good things, it said, flourish and grow out of the ground. So when I get in God's word, when I'm praying his word, when I'm declaring his word, when I'm meditating on his word, it's like rain coming down upon my garden and watering my garden. And so out of the midst of that, good fruit and good things happen. I can't, you know, in today's age, if I'm a business owner, um, if I've got relationships, which I should have most of those, but um, I'm praying for needs in, those, in that business. I'm praying for needs in that relation, those relationships, and I need strategies. But I can't tell you how many times I've just been in God's presence worshiping, and all of a sudden, in his presence, I get a revelation of what's supposed to happen in that business decision. I, hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of times in my business life, I can't tell you, I was praying over it, not getting an answer, and it's when I came into his presence and began to worship, I get the revelation, well, my goodness, that's the answer. Or it's in relationships, and I'm, I'm just, I'm reading God's word, I'm meditating on the word, God's word, and all of a sudden, boom, this scripture jumps out, and there's my answer for the relationship issues I've been struggling with. So powerful, but if we're not making that time those answers may not be coming. So let me talk to you today about the third way, another way. There are others, but I've just been going to go over three. Another way that we can be watered and be flourishing and growing great fruit. Psalm 92, verse 1 and verse 13 through 15, it says, It is good to give thanks to the Lord. Could I hear a hallelujah for that? It is good to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to his name, almost high. Those who are Visiting the house of the Lord shall flourish in the... Is that what it says? Those who are passing through... Is that what it says? You're getting quiet on me. Who is going to flourish? Those who are planted in the house of God. We live in an independent day like I've never seen before in my lifetime. And people, there's so many people out there saying, I don't need the church, I don't need this, I don't need that. And they look more like that tomato plant we saw at the start because there's a whole bunch of good things that happen when we're planted in the house of the Lord. Those who are planted, their roots are going deep. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit even when they get old. <laughs> They shall be fresh and flourishing. Another translation says they will be vital and green. Come on. Being planted in the house of the Lord brings fruit in our life. We are going to give you a scripture. It waters us and it grows great fruit in our lives. You know, we need to understand in this day and age how important the ecclesia, that's a word for the church, how important our relationships, how important it is that we're planted in the ecclesia. Some people say, well, we, I, don't, I don't need the church. I've got this or that. Um, but listen what Jesus happened in Ephesians 5 verse 25. It says Jesus loved the church and gave his life for it. How's that for how much he cares for the church? He loved the church and gave his life for it. So a question I have for you is, 
How do you get planted at Victory Faith? If we're supposed to be planted in the house of the Lord, if this is where you're supposed to be planted. Now here's the cool thing. If it's a house church, then get planted in a house church if that's what God has called you to. If it's a community church, then get planted in a community church. If it's a mega church, then get planted. It doesn't really matter which expression, which has God called you to. You just need to be planted. So what does it mean to get planted at Victory Faith? Well, at Victory Faith, we believe we are called to lead people to life in Jesus. You'll hear that again and again and again, hopefully, because that is what we're all about, leading people to life in Jesus. But let me give you, you've seen this maybe before, but we have four strategies, four steps of how people are planted at Victory Faith and how we're discipled. Interestingly enough, they're the same. So the first one is knowing God. Well, it's very important that we know God, right? And that starts with our Sundays together. You get to know God when you're here on Sundays. We are endeavoring. You know what? My prayer is always, I'm going to be sharing with someone who has known Jesus for 50 years. So I'm, Holy Spirit, only you can talk to them and speak to them because right beside them is going to be somebody that's never been in church before in their life. That is going to take Holy Spirit. To be able to, by the manifold grace of God, take one message and meet both needs and speak to both, both of those people. So Sunday services, that's about knowing God. Victory Kids, right now, Victory Kids are getting to know God out there. Uh, it's awesome. Victory Faith Youth on Wednesday nights, they are getting to know God. Fervent young adults, they're getting to know God. The next step in being discipled at Victory Faith, the next step of being planted at Victory Faith is connecting in community. You know, we can look like the most mature Christians until we get connected come on we are easily deceived let's leave you out of it I am easily deceived I think I've got it all together till I get around other people then it then it gets tested The next step to be discipled, to be planted at Victory Faith is connecting in community. That's life groups. So if you're not currently in a life group, I know your next step of being discipled and being planted at Victory Faith. Woohoo! Hallelujah! We just blew the fog away. That's how to get discipled. That's how to get planted at Victory Faith. Be a part of a life group and build relationships. Discover class. If you've not yet gone to Discover class and been through Discover class, I know your next step at Victory Faith. Go to Discover class. I met an awesome couple today that said, Pastor, we just got through Discover class and became members of Victory Faith. That is how we build community at Victory Faith. The next step then is in discipleship and being planted is growing in victory. That's the ministries, the different ministries that we have. That's school of leadership. If you're 25, if you're under, then you could be in school of uh, leadership and it's a one year or a two year program, nine months, give everything to God. It's amazing. We have school of discipleship once a year. That's six months. Those are great ways to grow in victory and grow in maturity. We have classes. I love our men's ministry does video classes that rock and roll. I talk to some of the men that go through some of these classes that they have going on and the growth in them is amazing. And then there's conferences, VK3 Day. We haven't done many conferences recently in the last year and a half, but I believe in the coming days we'll have more. So that's growing in victory. And then the next step is make a difference. And here at the house, that means being a part of a team, serving the house. Well, Craig, you know, I've known the Lord for 40 years. I don't think I really need to do that. Oh, contraire, mon frere. That would probably be pride speaking right there. 
We all can serve in the house of the Lord. There's some place you can serve in the house of the Lord. Uh, I'll tell you another thing later on, what I believe is a benefit that comes out of that. Outreaches. We, have our, we just had victory hoops out here in our parking lot. We impacted hundreds of people in our region, our area out here, and we got to reach out. We bought food for people, fed people, gave amazing prizes away because you were generous and paid for that event to take place. It was amazing and awesome. And then missions. Now, right now, there's not a lot of long-term or international missions taking place, but I believe in the coming days there will be more. So there you go. No question about how do I get planted at Victory Faith? You just heard it. So let me give you five benefits to being planted in the house, whether it's Victory Faith or somewhere else. Number one, to bear much fruit. You're going to bear more fruit. You're going to be more fruitful. True disciples bear much fruit. Pastor Dave, when he was here with us this last week, he talked about what time he felt it was historically and in this season around the world, actually. And at the end, he gave three application points. And the first one he said is, it's time to dis deepen your discipleship. It's time to become a, a stronger, truer disciple of Jesus Christ. So what does that mean? How, part of it is how deep am I planted? Are my roots planted? You know, Jesus talked about the sowing of the seed, the sower of the seeds. And it says when he sowed the seeds and it landed on rocks, it didn't grow. Birds took it. He threw it on a little bit deeper soil, but not much. It began to grow, but hot weather came and it wilted. It was only the seeds that were planted in good ground where their roots could go deep that uh, thrived and flourished. So our roots need to grow deep so that we can grow great fruit. Colossians 1 verse 10 says this, then the way you live will always honor God and please the Lord and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. Talk about a description of what a disciple is. So number one, if you're planted in the house of the Lord, the promise of God is you're gonna grow more fruit than you would out there. Number two, longevity. Anybody here wanna live longer? I do, five of us, that is so awesome. I'm so sorry for the rest of you. We better get a new crew in here because some of these might be gone pretty soon. I don't know. How about you watching online? You want to live a longer life? Longevity comes, according to the Bible, by living and being planted in the house of God. Even in old age, he said, you will live longer and have better fruit. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord will grow fruit even in old age. A few years ago, I heard somebody recommend a book to me. It was this book. It's called The Survivor's Club. And it's, it just piqued my curiosity, so I got it and I read it. And in it, it talks about how to survive a cougar attack. Um, <laughs> talks about where you should sit on an airplane, where the safest places are. To, I mean, it's all about being a survivor. How do you survive this, that? How do you survive? How do you live longer is really the theme of this book. And right in the middle of it, I came across this chapter. And it blew my mind. And if you've been around, you've heard me quote it. Listen what this, this study found out. This is a secular book. This is not a Christian book, secular book. And it's a secular study that was done in 1999, a study conducted by the researchers at the University of Texas at Austin, a secular college. This is what they found. People who go to church regularly live around seven years longer than people who don't. Look at your neighbor and say, way to go, Ralph or Betty or whatever your name is. Way to go. If you go to church once a week, your advantage is 6.6. .6. Don't you love the point thing in there? If you worship at church more than once a week, your edge increases to 7.6 years. 
Now that scripture takes on whole new meaning for me. I was glad when they said, let us go to the house of the Lord. <laughs> Listen, what else they said? Longer life appears to be correlated with the extent to which your faith is integrated into your daily decisions and actions. People with committed religious beliefs tend to have stronger life groups, <laughs> support systems, and more solid relationships. They are more likely to follow teachings that reinforce a healthier lifestyle. Secular study, secular book, quoting, I mean, they study thousands of people. Those who are planted, oh my gosh, it's, it's almost like they proved out that the scriptures were actually true. You know, another reason we're gonna last longer when we're planted in the house of the Lord, it says there is, uh, the devil goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. I'll tell you what, when he's looping around you and taking another lap around you, you wanna be planted in the house of the Lord. You wanna have people around you, you can call any minute and have them praying for you. You wanna, you wanna be able to have that encouragement and strength around you. Safety and protection is why we last longer too. Number three, we have greater influence together. We can do more together. It's kind of a common phrase you hear, we're better together, we can do more together. But it's true, we can go far beyond our own abilities. Do you know that right now, Victory Faith, you are feeding people in Haiti? Right now, you are feeding people in Haiti. We gave $5,000 because of your generosity. We gave $5,000 to Convoy of Hope who has already had boots on the ground in Haiti and have over 3 million meals to give out to people in Haiti. They just sent me a, an email. Our text, I just got a text from our contact with Convoy of Hope and he said, I wanna thank you right now. You are on the ground. Victory Faith is on the ground in Haiti feeding millions of meals because of your generosity. I'll tell you, we, we, because of our collective effort together, because of your generosity, we just sent $5,000 to a ministry that is helping people in Afghanistan. I mean, we can do more together, and it's because of your generosity. Victory Hoops, I'll go back to it again. Hundreds of families were influenced in our area here because your generosity, because you served. How many, I mean, we had so many people serving, helping with Victory Hoops. We are better together. We have more influence together. Uh, you think about it, we can actually, a group this size can change a city. One will put a thousand to flight, two will put 10,000 to flight. We can influence a city. We're better together. Number four, this is my favorite one, kind of, not so much, but okay, I'll say it. Number four, it keeps us humble. Being planted in, we want to run. When somebody looks cross-eyed at us, when somebody says something mean to us, when we get offended, we want to run. But those that are planted in the house of the Lord know that if I'm offended, I go to that brother and I work it out with that brother and I grow and I mature and I become a greater disciple of Jesus when I don't run because somebody said something. I mean, we need each other. The Bible says God lifts up the humble. It says God gives grace to the humble. There's so many scriptures about what God does for the humble. It's incredible. Let me read you this out of the message in 1 Corinthians 12. It says, but I also want you to think about how this keeps your significance. Listen, every one of us here is significant. You need to know that. Every one of us is significant. But he says this, I also want you to think about how this keeps your significance from getting blown up into self-importance. So something can happen that I can take my significance, which is truth, and then I can blow it up into self-importance. It's all about me. I won't do it. No. 
For no matter how significant you are, it is only because of what you are a part of. And so God's trying to give us an analogy here. How can I help them with that? They get off there by themselves. They think they can do it by themselves. They think they're so important by themselves over there. How can I help them? I'll tell them, listen, you are a body and your finger laying over there is not doing much good. Not doing much good by itself. So that's what he goes on to say. He said, it's only because of what you are a part of. An enormous eye or a gigantic hand wouldn't be a body, but a monster. What we have is one body with many parts, each its proper size and in its proper place. No part is important on its own. That's, that's a humbling statement right there. Like, okay, Lord, no, tell us what you really think. Can you imagine the eye telling the hand, get lost, I don't need you. Or head telling the foot, you're fired, your job's been phased out. You are Christ's body, that's who you are. You must never forget this. Only as you accept your part of that body does your part mean anything. Man, that's so humbling to hear that, but it's so healthy for us. You know, I, li- I hear, we need to get into culture. To be the church, the ecclesia, we need to get out into culture and bring, bring salt and light into our culture. We need to get into these areas of influence in our culture. We need to get out into our city. But something that always concerns me is when I hear Christians talking like they're gonna go conquer the city or they're gonna go conquer culture. We are not to go conquer, we're to go serve. We go serve culture, we go serve our city, and that's true leadership in the kingdom of God. And as we serve, God is going to raise us up as leaders in those areas. It's not to conquer, it's to serve. That's humility. That's a humble response. Number five, the last one. We are strengthened and we are watered as we are planted in the house of the Lord. Listen to this verse. Uh, uh, Well, we are strengthened. Let me do it first. Hebrews 10 verse 24 and 25 says, discover creative ways to encourage others and to motivate them toward acts of compassion, doing wonderful works as expressions of love. So it's when I'm around other people in the body, somebody comes up and says, oh my gosh, I prayed for this guy that had a broken leg and God healed him. And as I hear that, that encourages me, that excites me, that challenges me. Craig, when was the last time you prayed for somebody to get healed in their body? Or it could be that um, somebody tells me I was at work and I shared my faith and this person, after we went out to lunch, gave their life to Jesus. That should excite me, that should energize me, that should challenge me. Craig, when was the last time you shared your faith with somebody out there on the street? Or maybe somebody comes and says, man, I obeyed the Lord, the Lord told me to give this and I barely had that and I gave it and he's been multiplying blessing into my life. Those are the kind of things that happen in the body of Christ and we are to encourage and strengthen one another. He says, this is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together as some have formed a habit of doing. Let me, let me say a few things, especially talking to those of you online. There are some people in this current season end of August 2021, that it's wise for you because of the category you're in, because of your health, because of your age, that it's wisdom for you to be at home, for you to watch online. That's just wisdom. But Paul is talking about a long-term goal here, a long-term plan. There is nothing like being in the house of God where the Spirit of God shows up, the presence of God shows up. 
And listen to what he says. Let me read it again with that understanding of what I just said. This is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together as some have formed a habit of doing. Some people in 2020 formed a habit of not going to church. It's easy to do. We were closed for a while. But Paul is encouraging us and challenging us, don't make a habit of it. Don't make a habit of it. And then listen to what he says in the next statement. In fact... We should come together even more frequently, eager to encourage and urge each other onward as we, part- or as we anticipate that day coming. You know, that word encouraging that it uses a couple times there, Pastor Dave talked about it last week. It's the word parakaleo. It's the same word used for the Holy Spirit. And it means to impart, to encourage, to come alongside. We are, when we're together, when we're planted in the house of God, we should be coming alongside each other and encouraging each other, challenging each other. It says, as I studied out this word, it has a large portion of it, means to get excited. We should get excited about what God is doing in our lives and impart it to others. And it actually means to impart strength to one another. That if I'm in the house of God, I should be imparting strength to others and they should be imparting it to me. So last verse I'll go over almost um, is Psalm 133. I want to talk to you about if we're planted in the house of God and we're getting along, that we're being watered. It says, how wonderful and pleasant it is when brothers live together in harmony. For harmony is as precious as the anointing oil that was poured over Aaron's head that ran down his beard and onto the border of his robe. Now listen to this. Harmony, or getting along, is as refreshing as the dew from Mount Hermon that falls on the mountains of Zion. So when we're planted in the house of the Lord, I've proven it out before, I've studied that verse, that everybody could quote Psalm 133, but it is best used when describing a local congregation. It actually means those who dwell together or are married or dwelling in the same place together. When they get along, I get along with so well with our brothers in Australia. They don't bug me at all. Actually, if I was to say it right now, they're easy to get along with. It's you all that are closer here that are a little more of a challenge to get along with. Any husbands and wives want to agree with that statement? Um, So the closer in proximity we are is who he's really talking. He says, when you guys at Victory Faith get along, when you're in harmony. Now, is everybody making the same exact sound? No, but we're in harmony. He said, when you're in harmony, it is like dew coming down from heaven. That's what it means. When we're planted in the house of God and we're getting along, I believe God, it gets his attention just to see his kids. Any parents here just thrilled out of your britches when your kids get along? I mean, there's nothing more grievous than when they don't get along and they're punching and fighting and kicking and all that stuff. But man, when they get along and they're nice to each other, it's just like, oh, it's a gift from heaven. That's what it means to be planted in the house of the Lord. And when we get along, we are being watered. And so if I don't worship, I'm like that tomato plant. If I'm not in the word, I'm like that tomato plant. If I'm not planted in the house of the Lord, I'm like that tomato plant. And that's gonna aggravate some people, but it's true anyway. Proverbs eleven twenty five says this, the generous soul will be made rich. I love that. And he who waters 
will also be watered himself. How do you water somebody else? Well, uh, we water others with our words. Anybody ever spoken something to you? It was just like an oasis. Encouraged you in the midst of a battle. Spoke something encouraging to you. It's our words. It's our hugs. A phone call. A text. Everybody remember what a phone call is? Just checking. Checking. It's a text. It's a note or a card. It's a smile. It's your time. It's your gift. It's your finances. We can water others. And the really cool thing is God's promise to you and me is if I will water others, God says, you'll get watered too. How powerful is that? So again, let me go back. If I am worshiping in God's presence, if I am making time for him, Making, putting him first in my day, first in my week, and I'm in his presence worshiping, I am being watered, and there is a garden growing, there is fruit growing in my life. There's gonna be love and joy and peace and patience. There's gonna be good works. If I'm in his word, and I am I'm declaring his word, I'm meditating on his word, I'm speaking his word, it's like rain coming down from heaven upon me and I am a well-watered garden. If I am planted in the house of God, let me just say this to you. We're going to do have an altar call here in a minute. And I, I often encourage people, if you say yes to Jesus, your next most important decision is where are you going to get planted? Because I've seen too many Christians through the years say yes to Jesus and then go live their life like they have been. And that doesn't go too well. We need to be planted in the house of God. And like I always say, I hope it's here for you. But if it's not, you need to get your tush down the road and find out where you're supposed to be planted. Because if we're planted in the house of God, his promise is, it, and we're getting along, it will be like dew coming down from heaven. And we will bear fruit and be green and vibrant even in old age. So I'm going to show you the videos you've seen multiple times now. Maybe the last time you ever see him. So hurrah for that. But the first one is going to be a plant without water, without the worship, without the word, without being planted in the house of God. It's not looking good for the plant. The next one is watered. And again, we don't get to see the first part of it, but a hand reaches out and just pours one cup of water on this plant. And I want you to see that when you're worshiping, this is what happens to your garden. When you're reading the word, this is what happens to your garden. When you're planted in the house of God, this is what happens to your garden. somebody speaks evil to you, you're able to answer back with love. You don't answer kind for kind. Jesus says, love your enemies. It's out of that place that we can bring blessing to others. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Come Holy Spirit. Come my friend. I believe there's some people here today that it's going to be the best day of your life. You know, I, up until I was 20 years of age, I didn't know Jesus and life did not make any sense and there was, I always knew there was something more to life, but I couldn't find it. And the day I said yes to Jesus, ever since that day, I have known purpose in my life. I have known why I was on planet earth. And I believe there's some people here today, it's your day to say yes to God, to say yes to him, to know what true love is, to make sense of your life, to know that he has a future and a hope and a plan for you, that he will forgive the sins of our past. With every head down, every eye closed, if that's you, 
I'm going to say a prayer in a minute. Would you, I just want to know who I'm going to be praying for. If that's you, would you just boldly raise your hand and say, Craig, that's me. I, I want to say yes to Jesus today. I want to say yes to love. I want to say yes to life. I want my life to, to be given to the Lord, to do with as he pleases. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Anybody else? Thank you, Lord. Take just another minute. It can be the best day of your life. Thank you, Lord. All right, would you all stand up with me? I'm going to lead us in a prayer. God made it so profoundly simple that through a prayer, we can enter into the kingdom of God. And then there's a whole bunch of work, like he was telling us. We're going to be co-workers, work on this garden of our life. But he said in Romans 10, 9, that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, the Bible says you will be saved. So say this prayer with me, if you will, especially those that raise their hands. Say, Jesus, I need you. Forgive me for where I've been and what I've done. I believe you came from heaven to earth. And I believe that you died on the cross. But best of all, I believe you rose from the dead so that I could live. Today, I make you my Lord and I make you my Savior. Today, I'm born again Fill me with your Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Hooah. Come on, give the Lord a hand. Now, um, we're going to do an awesome song here at the end. I don't want you to miss it. If you gave your life to Jesus, we have a connections table out there. We have a Bible for you, a book for you. And I just encourage, challenge you, you need to get planted in a house somewhere. But this song, I love this song, really goes right along with uh, the, the series and the messages we've been going through. So worship team, go for it.